We have Louis Grenier has joined us and um, he is going to talk to us about how SaaS marketers can create a clear and simple one-page marketing strategy. Uh, for those of you who don't know Louis, he is from Everyone Hates Marketers uh, podcast and also he's the content lead at Hotjar as of recently. So Louis, I'm going to let you take it away and uh, tell us how to Tell us how to do this in a, in a painless, and, but super clear and simple way. <laughs> sure. So, bonjour, bonjour, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening to this or watching this, uh, this recording. Um, we'll talk about creating a simple strategy uh, in, in marketing. And this is a topic I'm a big fan of and something I just keep uh, talking about uh, every day with everyone um, who's uh, contacting me from the podcast or even in Hodger. And the reason why um, this is something that is really close to my heart is because I believe that SaaS marketers are absolutely overwhelmed uh, and they are drowning in a sea of possibilities. I mean, this is quotes that I receive almost every day in my email uh, inbox. And this is something I used to suffer from. Um, so today we're going to try to solve this big problem of being overwhelmed, not knowing where to focus on, uh, because this big problem has an even bigger problem. Uh, when you don't know where to focus on, when you're really overwhelmed, you are unlikely to have an impact. Therefore, more pressure will fall on you from your superior, from your managers, from your colleagues. And therefore, you will have less focus again, and you won't have an impact. And that's kind of the wheel of death that will happen. Uh, so the less you focus, the less you'll have an impact and the more pressure you're going to have on. And that's just going to keep on being worse. So what's the solution? So before going on that, um, just a few seconds about me, obviously. So I'm Louis Grenier. I'm fighting for a more authentic uh, human approach to marketing. Uh, I do that by one, working for an amazing company called Hotjar that does believe in this exact thing. Uh, I'm the content lead there. And I'm also the host of everyonehatesmarketers.com, which is a weekly podcast for marketers who are sick of marketing bullshit. Um, and I failed and burned out in my previous consulting business. Uh, so I know very well what it means to be overwhelmed and not knowing what to focus on. I, I had the luck and the chance to work with Dropbox, Ninja Outreach, Forest, and NNC in this time. So I do have a few things and a few pointers to talk about uh, in terms of SaaS. So let's get started into this marketing strategy. Marketing is simple when you do it right. And that's also a quote from one of my listeners and I found it very very, very cool. So uh, thanks whoever came up with that. It's not that crazy, but it's, you know, marketing is simple when you do it right. Um, and it starts with a clear strategy based on your customers. It doesn't start with you looking at what your, the highest paid person in the room tells you to do on the so-called best practices, on growth hacks, or the flavor of the month's marketing, or even the competitors or what they're doing. It never starts with that. It always starts with your customer. First and foremost, it starts with people. Marketing starts with people. At least this is what I believe, and a few others believe the same thing, and they've been pretty successful. And one of them is actually my boss, uh, David Darmanin. The reason why I've added this picture is just to prove that I know the guy. So um, there he is. Um, and he says that best practices have become these outputs from all of these marketers who are trying to get traffic and backlinks. And basically, we've polluted best practices to the point where he would say, scrap best practices, right? And this is kind of the, the philosophy we have uh, at Hotjar. This is the, my personal philosophy. And hopefully this is a philosophy that I can share with you today. So 
what's the strategy anyway? Because this word is being used left, right, and center every, everywhere I go, every, every blogs I read, every books I read. So strategy is, it's not fluffy or inspirational. It's not about this kind of very weird, very fluffy goal that maybe in 20 years you're going to be the leader in this industry or whatever. It's, it, that's not a strategy. That's maybe a, a dream, a vision, but that's not a strategy. So a, strategy, this, a good strategy is a strategy that allows you to align your company and get stuff done, right? This is it. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's something that is so simple and everybody reads it, everybody understands it, and everybody can take action based on it. That's what a strategy is. I'm, and, glad, you're defining this. I'm glad you're defining this first, by the way, because um, so many times um, we hear from people, and you may get this in your inbox as well, but we hear from people that they're being told to think more strategically at work. And there's kind of this confusion of like, well, what does that even mean? Like, how yeah. am I not thinking strategically already? So um, I, I appreciate that you dove in there. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's it, right? We are using it so many times, so often, and, and we don't really know what it means. And, and, um, and a good strategy allows you to really focus your attention on 20% of the effort to get 80% of the results. That's what I've seen from experience happening over and over and over. And... I'm not trying to be this guy telling you what to do, like who am I anyway to tell you what to do, right? So I'm trying to, as much as possible, to, 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 uh, to talk about books and, and people who have, who have defined that better than me in the past. One of the books that I would advise you to read, or at least a summary, is Good Strategy by Strategy. And that's one of my uh, ex-client of mine who actually uh, recommended this book. And in this book, the author explains clearly what a real strategy is. So one, it's a honest diagnosis of the challenges that you're facing. We'll go on that in more detail. Two, it's a guiding policy. It's like a one sentence to tell you where to go. And three, it's a set of coherent actions, which is an action plan that makes sense. That's what a strategy is. That's as simple as it is. You don't have to create a 20-page document coding it marketing strategy where it's all fluffy, there's no action, there's nothing that is tangible, no, that's what a strategy is. And in my opinion, it should fit in one page. If it doesn't, then you don't understand. Um, you really don't understand clearly what you're supposed to do. And chances are others won't. And it requires radical candor. That's the, the part of the honesty. That's another book I would recommend you to read about like how to be really honest with yourself, honest with your colleagues, honest with your superiors, and create a culture that allows you to create a real strategy based on honesty, based on radical candor. This is crazy important because if you avoid talking about the painful subjects, then you're not going to have a strategy. You're going to have this inspirational, fluffy set of actions that are just there to please somebody and not to do anything and not to have any impact. And once again, I'm not the one saying that. I'm just barely repeating what smarter people than, than me have, have said in the past. And Peter Drucker in, in particular, who said that the aim of marketing is to know and understand the customer so well uh, the product or service fits him and sells itself. This is what marketing should be. And this is why the strategy we're going to create right now is truly based on customers. All right, so that's kind of the intro on what a strategy is. And so I wanted to make this point because as you said, Claire, I'm not sure it's very clear in people's mind what strategy really means. Totally. <laughs> so five steps. Uh, breaking it down, and once again, it's the 20%, 80% rule, the Pareto law. What I would advise you to do right now is really 20% of what you could do, but I genuinely believe that once you have that, 80% of the result will come from, will come from it. 
So step one, identify your most profitable customers. This is one of the best things you can do in your business when you feel overwhelmed, when you don't really know what to do in SaaS in particular. So your most profitable customer in this presentation, I'm just going to use MPC to, to make it shorter, um, is the intersection of the customer who spent the most with you, who have spent the most with you, who are using the product, your product the most often, and who have stayed with you the longest. And you don't really need to be crazy scientific about it, okay? Like you don't have to use a data analyst to, to crunch this data. Chances are you already know those people because they are the ones who you're in touch with quite a lot. They are the ones that you use in your case studies. They are the ones who talk about you uh, to others. So you don't even have to, to talk to your data analyst or to talk to this Excel guru to go uh, and to identify them usually. Um, they are, this, they are usually pretty obvious um, in your customer list, even if you have only 100 or 1 million. Um, and the reason why I say that you don't have to go that deep is because you don't want to spend too much time on it. Because the second step is, is, is even more important than the first one. Um, you need to really, to start with, at the bare minimum, select three of those most profitable customers and reach out to them personally. And this is something that marketers in general are, are quite afraid of doing. Why should they talk to a customer? You know, they have all of those spreadsheets and all of those services allowing you to drill into uh, customers' minds. So why should I talk face-to-face -face with someone? Um, well, the only thing I can tell you is please try it for yourself. If you haven't done it before, if you think this is useless, I would just challenge you to do it and spend 30 minutes with, with three most, your, of your most profitable customers and chances are you, you are going to get breakthrough. You are going to learn stuff that you never thought possible, uh, that you didn't know you didn't know. And that will expand your horizons, uh, your horizons um, to a point where you're going to get clarity pretty fast. Um, so this is why I believe this is a crazy important step. And once again, this is not from me. This is from people like Steve Blank, uh, who's the author of Lean Startup and who says, there are no facts inside your building, so get the heck outside. Um, and this is pretty simple philosophy when you think about it. So this is a, a, a cute little letter I wrote for you that you can just take and put as an email. You know, you can say, hey, since you're an expert in your field, uh, I'd like to get to know you a bit better uh, and your company as well so we can improve our product and marketing. Can we meet in your office? XOXOXO. You don't have to use XOXO. It depends on the level of affinity. Um, but the point is, you don't have to overthink it either. Chances are you've been in touch with those people before. People love to talk about themselves. People love to share their knowledge. People love to share their own company and offices. People love to, uh, to make you, you know, talk to their colleagues. So they will have time for you if you manage to twist it the right way, which is about putting them as the expert in their field and you want to learn from them. You're not planning to sell anything to them. The only thing you want to know is to learn from them. And chances are, three out of three will accept. In my, in my small experience, that usually the vast majority accepts to talk to you. That's, yes, also speaking from experience, it is really true um, what you're saying about people wanting to be seen as experts, appreciating being described as experts. Um, people love talking about themselves, right? Uh, so you're totally correct that there are many marketers who are a little bit nervous about this. You know, the, the rejection aspect is, is totally there. Um, what if it's uncomfortable? But in general, customers really, really enjoy these conversations. Uh, so yeah, I completely back up what you're saying here.
And, and if it's uncomfortable, it's a very good sign. <laughs> it's, well, you'll, it you'll learn a ton. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my advice to you would be, once you've settled, once you've sent this email, you really need to put uh, in, in your mind that you're a journalist, not a salesperson. You're not planning to sell them anything. You're just planning to, to, to recover their story, like to, to really extract everything that they know so that you can, you can use it uh, later on. So be genuinely curious about it, about this conversation. Um, we have a tendency, marketers, to think that we know everything and that we can't learn from others, that you know, we are the, the top of the food chain there. Um, so let's get out of this mindset and just be very curious about people because you wouldn't believe the amount of, uh, of things that you can learn in a 20-minute conversation with a client or even a 10-minute conversation with a client. And most importantly, record everything. So if you don't have a microphone that you can bring with you, uh, your iPhone or any smartphone should work pretty, pretty well if, if you just bring it close, close enough to the person talking. And then you can transcribe every conversation using uh, services like transcription services, like SpeechPad, for example. But record everything so you don't have to take notes yourself and you can really focus on having a genuine, curious conversation, an open conversation about, um, about it. And this picture of Dublin where I live uh, is just a reminder that we've done that in Hotjar a few months ago. We interviewed around 12 customers during SaaS Talk, which is one of the biggest SaaS conference in, in Europe, or the biggest in Europe, actually. And we use the conference as a way to meet clients, not necessarily to go to the talks too much. Um, and that's, that led to enormous breakthrough for us. We learned so many things. It's not like we learned new things in particular that blew our mind. It's more that listening over and over and over again from clients we had for years, telling us the same thing from different angles. When you hear that in front of you, when you have a person telling you that, and then an hour after another person, and then an hour after another person, it just really prints in your mind it really, you remember it, you really remember it. And then you're able to, to base a lot of your decision on those small, those conversations you had instead of Excel spreadsheets and those, those, those tools online and those screens that you look at all day. It just brings another, um, another dimension to your work. Right, so step three already. So we are going pretty fast uh, through all of that. So step one, identify your most profitable customer. Step two, I contact three of them and arrange to meet them, right? So now this is a critical part of the, of the conversation you're gonna have with them. You're gonna have to map their journey. Um, and what I mean by journey is, if I can change the slide, there you go. There is, I used to be very confused about this step, like customer development, customer interview, customer research. And recently I had a breakthrough that really simplifies everything for me. So when I think about interviewing people, whether they are leads, customers, or whoever is, uh, I'm interested in, the only question I focus on now is, talk me through the very, very first time you ever thought about using a solution like ours. So this is why it's a journey. You, you try to really start from the very, very, very start from the very first time they ever, ever imagine of potentially using somebody like yours or a solution like yours. So it's not about the first time they visited your website. You're far, far, far too close to the, uh, to the middle of the journey. It's about the first time they ever thought about it. And this is a, a critical element of, of this mapping this journey step. Um, 
And this is how I always visualize it. You know, you have the journey and the very first point on the left is the first question. And your job is to bring them through those checkpoints, to bring them through the journey uh, by asking why all the time, by drilling down into how they actually discovered you, thought about you, consider alternatives and all of that. Um, this is why this slide is probably one of the most important of this presentation and you can screenshot it if you want or come back to it later. Um, but those are usually the checkpoints I like to go through if the customer doesn't mention them himself or herself. So most of the time what will happen once you ask the first question, they will naturally go through and answer those questions without you asking. Uh, but if you feel that you've missed something, this is where you, you can go back to. I'm not going to go through all of them in detail, but you can visualize them as the checkpoints throughout the journey. So, for example, you know, what made them look uh, for a solution like yours is a crazy important question because it leads to the jobs they're trying, um, uh, the jobs that they are hiring you for. What are they actually trying to achieve with this product? And no, it doesn't necessarily mean increasing sales or increasing conversions. It could be something much deeper that you are not aware of. Uh, for Hotjar, we discovered that the job was to make ongoing improvements on their website or products. We thought a few months ago that it was to increase conversions or increase sales. But no, in, in customers' heads, that's, yes, that's what they want to achieve, but that's not why they're looking for a solution. Uh, like Hotjar. So you will discover those small things. Another interesting question that usually uh, people don't ask is the value proposition one is like, how do they describe you to a colleague or a friend? Uh, it's unlikely that they, that they will um, actually voice that out during the, the conversation, but you can lead them there. Um, and the way they describe you is simply the way you should describe yourself. Once you know that those most profitable customers describe you the same way, over and over and over, then you don't need to come up with messaging. You don't need to come up with copy. Uh, as our good friends, mutual friends, uh, John and we would say, you know, this, this, we barely just steal copy from customers or borrow it from customers or users. Uh, we don't need to come up with it ourselves. So I would really advise you to go through all of those questions and you will discover so many insights that you can then use uh, at a later stage. It's, it's so great, by the way, that you've shared these. It's really wonderful that you've shared these questions because for a lot of marketers who are new to interviewing, um, it can be very easy to uh, ask opinion questions by mistake, right? So what do you think about our software? Or why do you think we are better than XYZ competitor? Um, and really, as you had described earlier, what's much more useful is understanding their journey instead of uh, asking them for an opinion. Um, so these, I mean, I myself screenshotted these uh, just to compare them to the questions that I use um, to see if there's anywhere I have room to improve. But these are a fantastic set of questions to get started with. And that's a good point, Claire, actually, on the, on the opinionated type of question. And that's a point that is important to make. You should ask open-ended questions and act as a journalist. Uh, and as soon as you start asking opinionated questions, then you are acting like a salesman again. So this is a fine line and this is difficult to nail at the start, but really try to remove yourself from, from your objectives in this quarter or anything like this um, and, and really act as a journalist who's genuinely curious about the journey that your customers are taking. So 
I've, there is a question in there that I didn't mention is the influence one, who or what influence you? And I believe this is one of the most important questions. I, and I've never seen it mentioned in consumer research book or anything like this. Um, the only time that that was mentioned to me was from Rand Fishkin during the episode that I had with him on everyone hates marketers. And it's, it's, it's probably the most important question of all, uh, because it seems like most of the gaps that I see uh, in marketing strategy comes from that. It's like the, the lack of understanding the influence and who and what influence people. So it's not necessarily only influence in terms of influencers. It's also influence in terms of where do they spend their time? Where do they hang out? Uh, do they go on Facebook and communities? Do they go on Slack? Do they go to conferences? And if so, which one? So if you try to, if you are able to map their influence, those most profitable customers' influence, chances are you will see straight away which acquisition strategy you should have because you will know the channels that you need to use because this is where they hang out. This is who influenced them. And as uh, Rand uh, says, it's like it's not about creating high quality content, but it's about creating content that those outlets, those influence, um, and those people would be most likely to amplify. So using the influences uh, that people have in order to influence them in return. And this is a very important concept. And then there's a bonus question I always like to ask, which is, you know, anything, is there anything you'd like to add? Please be 100% honest, we love feedback. That's stolen from Hodjar's philosophy as well, the please be 100% honest and we love feedback. That usually removes a lot of concerns or like, you know, thought that maybe we don't want to hear what they're gonna, what they're about to say. So always make sure that you say, you can be hundred percent honest with us. So anything you'd like to add usually lead to questions like, uh, to comments about the product, to comments about things that they really weren't sure they could say, but they actually are saying it. So don't forget this bonus question at the end. Right. So we should be at step four now. Step four is once you understand the journey, you need to understand the gaps between what you're currently doing and what your people are describing, your most profitable customer are describing. So it's, you see it as a Venn diagram where the journey that you mapped from your most profitable customers and the journey you're hoping to bring them through intersects. And if, if both of them intersect perfectly, which is very unlikely, then you have a, an amazing business and you're probably striving right now and you don't even need to listen to this episode. But usually what happens is that there, is, there are intersections in certain aspect, and there is a lot of, of, of gaps that you can fill. Uh, and those are the most important gaps uh, that I've seen uh, in the past. Um, and I kind of have uh, organized them in terms of the, the traditional funnel, like from discovery to retention. Um, so those are the, the, the gaps. I already talked about the first one. When you find out that the influence that people have, your most profitable customers, and the way and the, the, the content you create and, 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 and all of that is not matching, then you're not influencing the influencers. You're not using, using influence as one of the way to, to market. So in terms of acquisition and discovery, this is critical. If you don't do that well, you're missing opportunities. As a consequence of that, if you don't spend resources on the right channels where they hang out, and instead try to focus on growth hacks and all of that, because this is based on a blog post you read last week, you're spending 50% on your money on PPC or AdWords because that's what somebody told you to do, then you're, you're, you're not doing the right thing. So people will tell you where they hang out. And you can also analyze that yourself. Uh, you can look at their 
a Twitter profile if it's public and you can see who they retweet the most. You can see where they go uh, at conferences. You, you really can understand who influenced them and therefore which channels uh, you should use. Um, another one that I see all the time is the wrong positioning and messaging. So if people describe you a certain way and you describe them a, a different way, and if you describe the product a different way, then you're going to have a huge gap uh, in your messaging um, and in your positioning. If you're trying to cater for everyone, let's say you're selling a, a project management software, but all of your most profitable customers are dentists and you're trying to just sell it to everyone, well, there might be a missed opportunity there in terms of positioning. Perhaps you should just position yourself as the project management for dentists. Um, not building trust over time is a big one as well. It's like trying to rush into getting people into your funnel, into your journey. Uh, but by talking to them, you will understand that they take a long time to take a decision and go to you. And this is what you need to match. If they take six months in, in general to do their research, then this is what you need to account for uh, when it comes to building your journey and funnel. It means you need to take your time as well yourself. You need to give them the material to do their research. You need to, to be patient. And building trust takes time. So this is one of the big one. Um, ignoring common objections. So when people say, well, I almost didn't buy from you because of those reasons. Well, if you don't answer those, if you don't, um, if you don't try to answer those objections, chances are that you're missing out on a few people who could uh, use uh, your service. Same for not leveraging hooks. So if people tell you, I'm using your product because of X, Y, and Z, and you don't even mention X, Y, and Z in the website, then you have an opportunity that you're, uh, that you're missing. This one is a, is a, is a, how do you say that? I'm forgetting the name. I'm French after all. But this is, a, this is for Nicole Elizabeth Demeray, who spoke about this in my podcast and talked about success gaps quite a lot. Um, success gaps are basically um, the fact that people are using your product a certain way and they are like, they are want to use it uh, to do certain things, but they don't really know how. And success gaps is a way to, to fill this gap uh, by educating them about using your product uh, better. Um, and then the last one, which is probably the, the most important one, and I've really managed not to curse too much in this, podcast, in this, this, this video so far, so I'm, I'm forcing myself not to curse, but having a not so good product is usually one of the biggest gaps. Unfortunately, if, you're, if as a marketer you sell a product that is not that good, it's very unlikely that you will be able to strive and, and to genuinely grow as you want to. And that's, that seems obvious. But do not accept a job where the product you have to sell is bad and you know it's bad because you will likely turn into a shady marketer who has to use sleazy tactics to get uh, where she wants to be or he wants to be. I have a question about that, actually. I'm wondering, um, how do you identify that? How, what, do you, what do you think is the best way to identify? Because let's face it, you know, it, it's, it can be hard to look at your own product in that way and really be honest. So. What are yep. the indicators of that? What would you use as a warning? Uh, the indicators usually, like the, the scientific way, would be a NPS, a Net Promoter Score. You know, you have benchmark there that allows you to know pretty much if people are, are recommending this product to others. Mm -hmm. But usually, and that's not an answer that you will necessarily like, but it's a gut feeling. Like, right. if you don't like to use your own product, if it's clunky, if, if, if you are in your target market and you don't even use it, then you know, there is something there. So you need to trust your guts in there. Um, and and what, this is what I recommend to people who reach out to me and asking, uh, you know, I want a job in marketing, what should I do? Well, 
I would always say, you know, select the companies that sell good products, good products that you use yourself and try to work with them because that's the easiest way to do marketing. I'm lucky for Hotjar, this is exactly what happened. I use Hotjar in my previous business quite a lot. I was a big fan of it and lucky enough to work for a company that has an amazing product, which means it's so easy to be a marketer there. Mm-hmm. It is easy because people recommend the product all the time. So you can just surf on this wave and try to make it bigger, but you have a wave to start with. And then step five, you can summarize all of that into one page, the beautiful last step. Um, so you can do that in many, many ways and you can design it the way you want to. This is just a, an idea and, and, and um, a guidance and the direction you could take, but you don't have to, you can do it the way you want to. Um, so this is kind of the master thing. What I would recommend is on top, you identify the three biggest gaps uh, between your most profitable customer's journey and the one you have. In one sentence, you uh, talk about the strategy, which is the way you're gonna fill those gaps in simple terms. So that's the one sentence exercise is really critical. If you're able to summarize your strategy in one sentence like this, you're in a good position, you're in a good place. Chances are your boss, your colleagues will understand it as well. And then I usually map out my MPC profile, so who they are, and the jobs they're trying to, uh, to achieve with the product based on the question you ask, the messaging, your value proposition, so the way they describe you, the, the, the key benefits, and their influence, right? So the key influences. Do they spend time listening to Forget the Funnel? Do they spend time listening to Everyone Hates Marketers? Do they spend time at conferences? Do they follow Ryan Fishkin like crazy? Those kind of things, you can put that in this box. And then finally, the funnel. So you can see from strangers to new visitors, to returning visitors, to new users, to returning users, to referrers. And there I usually put the actions. So the, the key things that we need to do in those stages in order to fill those gaps. And all of that should feel like a coherent set of actions. It should feel like a, a whole, it should feel um, like a one thing, right? And, and you will start to gain a lot of clarity as soon as you're able to, to draft this one pager and your colleagues, your boss, your clients even will really thank you for it because they will be able to print it, read it and feel like this is something they can use. Once again, this is obviously 20% of what you can do, but I genuinely believe that that leads in general to 80% of the results. You're going to rely on this page for the next few months or few years, depending on, on the scope. Um, and finally, yes, so you can download the template I've put together on Google Doc. You don't have to put your email or anything. It's on Google Doc, so it's free to access. It's just an example of a template you can use uh, for your own, uh, in your own uh, job. And I think that's pretty much it. This is, um, what I really love about this template is that it does force you to focus on maybe 20% of the things you could do, but it doesn't only focus on, it doesn't only focus on getting new people into um, that from stranger to new user. It, it gets people all the way through the entire customer journey, which speaks so well to what Gia and I believe, which is marketing isn't just about shoving people in a funnel. It's about, it's about meeting them through that entire journey. So this is such a fantastic resource. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I, I love too that it's focused, it's focus is on your most profitable customer because I find a lot of people, um, 
get stuck on, yes, but this type of customer needs this and they try to solve, like there would be one of these for each customer segment, for example, or each customer job that they've identified, for example, but mm -hmm. zeroing in one, um, especially if it's like a given period of time, like a quarter or like a 90 day sort of focus or six months, it really helps you zero in on just that one most profitable customer. Yeah, I wish I'd had this years ago. <laughs> 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 Me too. <laughs> we always say that, don't we? <laughs> I know. <laughs> where, where was this a few years ago when I needed it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing this. You're welcome. Um, Claire, you should be able to... Yeah, I see. Oh, oh right. Oh, yes. Right. yes. Before we go, before we go. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this uh that might be live or that might not be live it's probably live right now but uh, with hoja we have a, a new project and that's actually to was to fill the biggest gaps we identified which was in the stranger case of the template we had almost nothing apart from referral from product like people referring us mm. so we decided to really go f all in into something we truly believe in which is people first mindset we believe that business can be, uh, we can be successful in business by thinking of people first and profit second. Um, and beyond business, we believe that when you think of people first and, and do empathy the right way and, and believe that people are the answer to pretty much everything, then you should be pretty successful. So we've started a new show called The Human Strike Back. And you can go to hotjar.com slash humans to know more about it. We've interviewed a lot of interesting personalities in the world of business and beyond. I cannot wait to check this out. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's been in the works for a little bit and it's very cool to finally like see a little, see a sneak peek of what's happening publicly. Oh, yeah. I hope this is the logo because it's awesome. <laughs> it is. In, in fact, the full page is, and the full experience is this exact style. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oops, sorry. I went a little crazy on slide control there. <laughs> um, one more time, just because this looks so great. Uh, I'm going to check this out afterward. Uh, but Louis, I am, we're both really so grateful that you took the time to share this very, very valuable template, um, an entire process uh, with the Forget the Funnel community. Um, so for anyone who would like to grab that uh, one page marketing template for themselves, um, be sure to just use this link, uh, which we'll also have in the show notes. Um, and of course, Louis hangs out on Twitter. Uh, and you can find him at his Twitter handle. Um, so to those who are attending, we're so grateful to you as well that you took time out of what we know is probably a very busy day um, to jump in and learn a bit more about how you can be more focused um, with your marketing strategy. Uh, so to everyone, really, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>